Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. You know, it may seem like a strange time to talk about it, getting outside, uh, but no matter if it's hot, cold, wet, dry, doesn't matter. Getting outside is good for us, and we're going to talk about it. And then I'm going to share a story about well, some minor transgressions of my youth. <laughs> Joining me for all of that and more is Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Yeah, it's 40 degrees and raining outside right now. Where did some, I mean, it was 80 degrees, what, a week ago, a week and <laughs> yeah. a half ago? Yeah. Uh, welcome to the South for sure. Today's one of those days, you know, I've always said, I don't mind the cold and I don't mind the rain. Yeah. But I don't like the cold rain. Unless you're running, it would probably feel pretty good running out yeah, there. Yeah, right it's not now. too bad out yeah. there. Yeah, um, it's not windy. If it's not windy. It's not too bad. Past couple of days, it was. We we made a it fire was. the other night. We got a little campfire area out beside our house, and uh, we made a fire and went out there and we sat for about I don't know three minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and the wind was just blowing too bad. Just it too was much. You, you couldn't even feel the fire. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, before we get going, let's talk about this week's sponsor, uh, one of our favorites, Front Runner Athletics. Um, Chad and and all the team over there. As followers, we are told to put on the whole armor of God. As a runner, you also have gear that you need to put on to protect yourself from injury, aches, and pains. Front Runner Athletics is a family-owned running specialty store that helps fit you with quality gear that'll help you run and not grow weary. They're also longtime supporters of Run for God. Visit Front Runner locally in Chattanooga on Hickson Pike for a complimentary fitting or online at frontrunnerathletics.com. Mention RFG10 and get a 10% discount. And again, every time we talk about them here lately, we're talking about their online presence because you can go in there and buy shoes, um, which mm-hmm. we didn't know or I didn't know till just a few months ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they got a great website. Go check them out if you don't have a, a local running store that you that you patron, um, go check them out because those guys really know what they're talking about. They do. And good folks too. Well, we had a, this, this one came from Facebook this past week. Um, it comes from countdown, Mary Pavluk Priolo, um, four down 44 to go week one of the hashtag marathon training plan done. I got in 9.3 miles. Plan called for in solid in solidarity with my hashtag Seaster, who ran the St. Pete Run Fest 5K 10K challenge. Hashtag 26.2 coming for you. Trying out some new fueling options. I have not yet mastered the timing, so looking to focus on that over the next several weeks. Today, used Bonk Energy gummies, which were surprisingly good and easy on the stomach. Ate four chews at four miles with two more each at miles six and eight. On long runs, less than 10. I normally don't fuel, and for longer runs, I won't start anything until after mile six. Could be why I lose steam in those upper miles. So, looking to start early and often. We shall see how it goes in the coming weeks. Onward to week two. So, just kind of a side note. You know, we've got Countdown Mary. Yeah. We haven't, we, I, I've, I've created another name out there. I got a uh, a message through. I think it was through the app. Um, 
I, you know, I, there's some things that I do on the back end that a lot of people don't know it's me on the back end, uh, but I help the the ladies in the building out sometime with the messaging. And we got a message from uh, Patsy Arnold and uh, a name that we all know. And I was responding back to her in some kind of, I don't even know what the message was, but I said, Patty. Well, it didn't have my name on it. Well, Patty, evidently she's got a great sense of humor because she she came back that that it has an S in it. And uh and so I think Holly went went back at her and they were kind of laughing back and forth and she said, Well, I'll 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 just assure you that it wasn't me or Gay or Angie. And basically <laughs> threw me under the bus. So I went back and I said, From now on, Patsy, it's Patsy with an S. Patsy so we got S. we got Countdown Mary and we got Patsy with an S yeah. now. So uh, Patsy, if you're out there, sorry I misspelled the name. It won't happen again because you <laughs> will forever be Patsy with an S in my heart. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I've seen a bunch of posts over the last few weeks or last week or two about uh, people finishing up their half marathons. Yeah on the yeah. couch the marathon journey and uh so it's really cool to see all of those and of course mary here is talking about the beginning of the marathon training and she brings up a really important thing here and something i thought worth parking on for just a minute um you know if you're on the couch to marathon program up until now nutrition hasn't been critical sure but in a marathon it is critical yeah and so as she mentioned, she doesn't normally eat anything this early in a, in a run, but she's just experimenting. So this is it's a great way to do it. Start early, figure it out early. Because what we find out is that there are some things that aren't good on our stomach. They don't lay on our stomach well, and they they upset it. That mm-hmm. you don't want something like that in the middle of a marathon. You got enough to worry about without worrying about an upset stomach on top of uh, the way your legs are going to feel. And so uh, so doing it now during these shorter runs and trying to figure out first. What, what sits well on my stomach and what seems to make me feel better? And then second, work on the timing of it. Yeah, and it's very individualistic. You can't you can't ask your buddy what they do. It's kind of like shoes. That's right. Uh, it's very individualistic. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in triathlon, especially Ironman, um, you have swim, back, run. But nutrition, they call it the fourth discipline. Yeah. Because nutrition takes more people out of an Ironman than just about anything. Cramps, all kind of it's, – it's the nutrition will really make you – bonk and you're right is when you when you get out past that i don't know what do you think's the magic number i say hour and a half ish yes when you get out past that you're gonna have to take on nutrition and that's something you got to practice it is it is and just you were mentioning that what works for one doesn't work for another i remember when what was it chicken broth that they have in uh the the yeah yeah. Iron Man. Well, I remember well, chicken broth. I remember hearing people talk about how great that oh, it's was. The greatest. I love and it. So I, when I was doing my Iron Man, I got off my bike. I had run about about a mile or two into the run, just getting started on my run, and there was some chicken broth there. I thought I'm gonna try this. Everybody talks about how great it was, and I drank it, and spit it out. Really? That was the. It was kind of cold. It wasn't really warm, oh, and maybe that was cold. part of the problem, yeah. but. I don't know. It just it did not do well. I didn't. I didn't well, like the it. reason they have chicken broth, in case people are wondering why in the world would Ironman have chicken broth, by that time your body is craving sodium. Yep. And of course, broth, any kind of broth, is just loaded with sodium. Yep. And so, yeah, I think it's just yeah, it is so good. <laughs> that and pickle juice. Pickle yeah, juice is pickle another juice one. Another it's, one. It's kind of yep. a strange thing that people drink. Yep. Yep. 
Well, and don't forget about drinking water and any other electrolytes too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's another thing you need to experiment with because some find out what they're going to have at a marathon that you're going to and make sure that you practice with it. If you're going to take what they have. Yeah, because the different brands to, are different. Can that's right. react different with you. Gatorade versus Powerade versus sure. all the other different. There's a gazillion different things out there these days. And so yeah. you got to make sure that it works well on your stomach because right. that's the last thing you want to worry about. Yeah, and if you're going to be out there for a long time, just a rule of thumb is is you want to you want to push sugar as far back as you can. Um, so, like, if you're, if you're running, you want to try to take in – you know, a lot of these Endurolite mixes now, they've got all the electrolytes and everything in them, but they don't have a lot of sugar. The problem with Gatorade, on a, if you're going to be out there for a long time, is sugar does tend, for most people, to lead to some GI distress over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if as a rule of thumb, you want to kind of push the sugar back as far as you can and, and take on those electrolytes and, and nutrition in a different form yeah and don't hear that you don't need sugar at all no no no. because you do need sugar as well so but that pure simple sugar i mean if you drink straight gatorade i remember i used to have to cut it in half because if you take straight gatorade when you're really thirsty it, it almost tastes like syrup yeah the the sugariness of it is amplified or magnified more you know in a race like that and for some people, that leads to serious gastric right. issues. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no matter what, isn't it kind of fun to do science experiments on ourselves? <laughs> Make you human <laughs> guinea pig? Yeah, yeah. We had a trivia question from last week. But before I get to last week's trivia question, let me talk about the one from the week before because I messed up. Really? I said that the Everest Marathon is the highest marathon. And on their website, they claim to be the highest marathon. But well, I went and told several people that. Well, so now I need to go back to these people. Yes. Apparently, there is a Kilimanjaro Marathon that is less than 1,000 feet, but a little bit higher than the Everest Marathon. Really? So, uh, yeah. So Kilimanjaro Marathon was actually – because people were – I had a couple of people that you know sent their answers in and said Kilimanjaro Marathon. I'm like – no, I need, I need to look this up. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking they were wrong. Well, it turns out they were right. So, wow. uh, yeah. So, huh. uh, yeah, if you're out there and you think that men never admit they're wrong, well, I'm admitting it right now. So, <laughs> good job, Dean. <laughs> All right. Here's the question from this past week, though. Who is the youngest ever to win the Olympic 100 meter dash? Um, of course, the, the 100 meter dash is probably the most popular event. Of all events in the Olympics, it's what we think about a lot of times when we think about the Olympics. It's been in the Olympics since the first modern Olympic Games in 1896 in Athens, Greece. Um, And the Olympic record for men is 9.63 seconds. For women, it's 10.61. Of course, neither of those are a world record, but they're very close. Um, The first Olympic 100-meter run, I thought this was interesting, in 1896 was 12.2 seconds. You know what my 100-meter PR is? What's that? 12.2 seconds. Really? Yes. So uh, I thought that was kind of so interesting. you're basically a gold medalist. Yeah. I, I, you're basically I just, an Olympian. I was just born 100 years too late. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, and then the, the first woman, the first women to run 100 meters, they didn't run. Uh, they didn't do athletics at all right. in, uh, until uh, 1928. And the first woman that ran it was 13 seconds. So... 
Um, which brings us to today's answer to the question. The answer to the question is Betty Robinson was the one who won that first one and still today remains the youngest winner of the 100 meters in Olympic history. She was 16 years, 11 months, and 8 days old. So wow. less than 17 years old. The youngest men's winner, if you're interested, is Reggie Walker of South Africa. That came in 1908. He was 19 years, 4 months, and 6 days old. If you're interested in the oldest for women, that's Fanny Blankers Cohen, I like the name, of the Netherlands in 1948. She was 30. And then Linford Christie, I remember Linford Christie of Great Britain in 1992. He was 32 years old. Hmm. So... Betty Robinson, she was born in Riverdale, Illinois. Um, she dis- she was discovered that she could run so fast by her her science teacher was also the the coach of the the team for the high school, and she she was missing her train, and so she was running to catch her train, and he saw her running <laughs> to catch her train and thought, whoa, she can run. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting way to find it. Um, and here's. In her first, and I this said it, it says in Wikipedia her first race, but it, it seems like it must be like her first international race mm-hmm. or something like that, professional race maybe. In her first race, she finished second to the American record holder Helen Filkey in an indoor sixty meter race, and then the next race she beat Filkey in her second race and equaled the world record in her second race. Wow! Um, although it wasn't it wasn't recognized because it was wind dated, but it, that's how fast she ran. And in her third competition was the Olympics. (laughs) And that was the first time, again, that women ran the 100 meters. Um, But here's the bizarre thing, and this is one of the reasons I bring this up. This this came from one of our Run Club members, which I'll mention here in a minute, but um, this is what it says on Wikipedia. On 28 June 1931, Robinson was involved in a plane crash and was severely injured. Initial reports had her being discovered unconscious in the wreckage, wrongly thought dead by her uh, rescuer. Actually, the man merely thought she was beyond saving. He took her out to Oak Forest Infirmary, locally known as the Poor Farm, because he knew the undertaker. Doctors determined she had suffered severe multiple injuries and she would never race again. It was another six months before she could get out of a wheelchair and in in two years before she could walk normally again. Meanwhile, she missed the 1932 Summer Olympics in her home country. Still unable to kneel for a normal 100-meter start due to the fractures and surgeries in her left leg, Robinson was part of the U.S. team of 4x100-meter relay at the 1936 Summer Olympics. The U.S. team was running behind the heavily favored Germans, but the Germans dropped their baton. Robinson took the lead and handed off the baton to Helen Stevens, resulting in her second Olympic gold medal. Retiring after the Berlin Olympics, Schwartz remained involved in athletics as an official. She worked in a hardware store for many years. In 1977, she was inducted into the USA National Track and Field Hall of Fame. In 1996, she carried the Olympic torch for the Atlanta Olympic Games. She was married, as I said, Schwartz, that was her her married name, and had two children. Um, They resided in Glencoe, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago's North Shore. And she died actually in Colorado at the age of 87 uh, from cancer and Alzheimer's disease. Wow. So uh, this was sent by Carla Carr, by the way. Appreciate you guys. Every time you send something like this in, first first it makes my job easier, but it also gets me a chance to research some stuff and look into things, and it's always fun to do that. So 
So yeah, so Betty Robinson, very very interesting lady. They thought she was dead from a plane crash. That's crazy. And she lives, not only lives, but winds up running in another Olympics hmm. after that too. So pretty That's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So today is Cyber Monday, uh, and if you've been getting the emails, you know that we have pretty much twenty five percent site wide off. Today is the last day for that. So if you're listening to this podcast on the day it come out. Get to runforgod.com if you haven't gotten the gear that you're wanting, the mm. Christmas presents you're needing to get. Uh, get over there and get that today. You can get 25% off. Also, we've, we've been pounding the drum. We've been sending the emails out. We've been challenging you, daring you. Teach a class this January. Teach a 5K challenge on the 23rd of January. Teach the Couch to Marathon on January the 23rd. We're just challenging you to get outside your comfort zone and teach. Somebody said it the other day, and I said, you know, I make that comment all the time. Um, I think it was one of the young men that are staying with us. I'll, I'll talk about them here in just a minute. But they said the best way to learn is to teach. Mm. And it's absolutely true. If you it's want true. to learn everything there is about this sport, teach a 5K challenge. It's true. You you, you know, we, we wrote this curriculum, what, 12, 13 years ago now? I still learn something new every time I go through it. Yeah. Um, and, and things are constantly changing and evolving, and we look at things different, you know, especially when you get into the scripture part of it. Th- those scriptures bring on a whole new meaning every time you look at them. So go to runforgod.com, get logged in, go to the Become a Coach tab, pray about it, think about it, talk to your community, talk to your pastor, whoever you need to talk to, and don't use the excuse, I'm not qualified. Because right. neither you or I are qualified to be doing what we're doing. It's That's a calling. Right. We're, we're, we're trying to promote the love of Jesus Christ through a sport that we love. That's simply all we're doing. So I challenge you to do that. The Couch to Marathon, we just mentioned it, starting January 23rd. Um, if you've never run a marathon, it's on your bucket list. We need you to join us. We need you to get a group of friends and join us. We want this to be the biggest class that we've had to date. So, um, so go out there and do that. And we have a recent uh, Thursday night where you and I talked about that. Right. And uh, so. And we'll be making that available uh, through different avenues. So be on the lookout for it. We may have it on the homepage of our website. Uh, We haven't figured that out yet. But uh, and if you don't see it, shoot shoot us a message, DeanRunForGod.com, and we'll be able to to point you in the right direction to get to that link. But, yeah, uh, an entire Thursday night where that's all we talked about um, was becoming a coach. Yep. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. so we're back and dean um you've heard me talk about this group before we have at our church right now a group called life action ministries um and they're at our church this week and it's a really cool thing if you've never heard of them go look them up um basically they come in and take over your church um they have about 30 team members and most of the team members are young people getting started in ministry they're in their 20s they have the leader steve canfield is the the lead evangelist guy, incredible speaker. I mean, just incredible speaker. Um, 
but we are we are housing two of the young people at our house, uh, Samuel and Noah. Uh, you you just met them before we came into the podcast. Um, so you know, young people. What's the first thing I typically pounce on with young people? It's phone, phone, yep. phone. <laughs> and we did not prep for this. You yeah. you knew that was my yeah. answer. <laughs> so these two guys come in, and I'm like, we're going to talk about the phone. <laughs> and uh, Samuel is, uh, I think Samuel is 21, and Noah is 22 or 23. And uh, so we talk. We I, I, somehow it gets brought up. And I start giving my normal speech about how, you know, we're all just addicted to our phones. And uh, Samuel, we started talking about screen time and how I ask my Wednesday night high schoolers. I go through, he said, oh, I've got all those guys beat. And I said, what is your screen time? Thinking it was going to be way more. He pulls out his phone. He's got, he doesn't have a smartphone. Oh, really? His phone, he can talk and text. And that wasn't done by his parents. He made the decision several years back. Wow. He was he knew that his phone was becoming a problem, and he threw it in the lake. Oh, my goodness. And he went and got a It's not even a flip phone. It's like a little block. Yeah. And all you can do is, is talk and text. And so now Samuel's teaching me about the phone. Yeah. You know, social media is once again off my phone. Yeah. And I, I have I have this strong want. I don't I don't know if it's God talking to me yet because I I just haven't gotten there yet. There's part of me want to go get a flip phone now. <laughs> I know I, I sound like a bipolar or something on this, but I just go back and forth. But yeah, this yeah. is a cool cool group of guys here. That's that, really um, cool. But that's a great yeah. Great if you've story. never heard of Life Life Action, go go check them out. It's um. Uh, Man, it's it's life changing. They've been to our church five times now. The last time they were here, I mean, they really rocked my world. Um, actually, with the sermon that he did last night was the same sermon that really rocked my world years ago. And it's about forgiveness, both seeking it and granting it. Um, you know, it's it's about getting clean in all areas of your life. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Wow. It's a it's That's a cool. it's a pretty life changing changing event. Well, I don't mean to one up you. Well, one up me something then. Something pretty cool that happened this week myself. So I get a call Thursday night now, or Sunday night rather. Um, now, Matthew and Chelsea, my oldest son and his wife. Um, I have another Caleb and Jessica. Um, both of those two couples have adopted eight-year-old girls. Um, we also have Daniel and um, Jill. Um, and Jill has four grandchildren, and so those are our grandchildren, basically. But now we've got two new adopted grandchildren. Well, Bella is the one that is Matthew and Chelsea's, and she has hopped from she was in, I want to say, don't quote me on the exact number, but I want to say she was in seven different homes in the first six years of her life. Mm. She was just bounced around from home to home. She's a little difficult from a behavior standpoint. But she landed at Matthew and Chelsea's home, and they fell in love with her. It's There's a bigger story behind all of it, but anyway, she's at their home now, permanently, permanently adopted. So I get a call Sunday night from Bella. I don't get calls from Bella. Mm-hmm. She doesn't call me. 
but she uh, she called me to tell me that she had just been saved. Oh wow! Yeah, so she that definitely one ups my story. Yes, yeah, that's so awesome. She uh, from uh, she was laying in bed and her her mom and dad were tucking her in and she said, um, "I got something I want to say," mm. and she said, "I want to get saved right now." And they had been talking about it over the previous month or two. Uh, she'd had a lot of questions, and they had talked about what it meant and all of that stuff, and she had just decided, now's the time. Hmm. And so my son prayed with her right there in her bed, and she accepted Jesus, which brought back memories for me because my son mm-hmm. was saved with he and I on our front porch at our house. Hmm. Um, and so it, it's it's really cool to see the chain right and hopefully that's one gonna day, make you proud yes yeah. and then one day bella is going to have a child and mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just an awesome thing so yeah just so, wanted to share that that's a legacy dean yeah well i saw some recent posts about running inside versus running outside when it gets cold there's a lot of folks that don't like to run outside when it gets cold i always prefer to run outside mm-hmm. it has to be really really horrendous weather for me not to want to run outside so this story was right up my alley and it comes from Rhonda williams who has submitted a number of stories always love her stories yeah and this is one more good one it's called it's time to get outside my devotion this morning focused on the restorative power of nature the author pointed out how we hole up in our houses and office, offices staring at computer and phone screens all day, never venturing outside except to walk to the car. We are increasingly becoming a virtual society. We have lovely pictures of waterfalls and meadows on our computer screens, but when was the last time you saw one in person? We connect with people all the time through email, text, and social media, but how often do we meet to talk face-to-face? We need to get real. Our parents and grandparents were outside all the time, but our lives are set up to drive us inside instead of out. We have to make an effort to get outside and enjoy all the benefits God has for us in the natural world he created. That's what I love about being a runner. So I decided to use all my senses as I ran that morning to take in the beauty of God's creation. I saw the beauty of the fall leaves and watched them float gently to the ground, sometimes swirling when the breezes caught them. The autumn colors are at their peak right now, and some of the trees seem to glow in the bright sunlight. It prompted me to remember how uplifting and encouraging beauty can be. A smile, a kind word, flowers from a friend a rainbow after a storm. Thank you, God, for the beauty that surrounds me. I could feel the sun on my face and the breeze blowing through my hair. I could feel the hardness of the sidewalk and the softness of the grass through my shoes as I ran across different surfaces. I thought about how my walk on this earth can be hard at times and how those times are always followed by a softer, gentler walk. Thank you, God, for providing rest and renewal when I need it. I could hear the crunch of leaves under my feet and the rustling of the trees as the breeze blew through them. I could hear the birds chatting up each other and and a squirrel scrambling up a tree. Father, please help me to hear your voice clearly so I can walk the path you have for me with confidence. I could smell the earthiness of the leaves piled up under the trees and the freshness of the air. I took a deep cleansing breath. 
Life is a gift, even though it can be hard at times. So thank you, Father, for breathing life into my body. Help me to use my body to serve you. Let me be your hands and your feet. I realized when I returned home that the only sense I had not used was taste. So I grabbed an apple from a bowl on the table. As I ate that sweet, delicious fruit, I thought about how God's provision, I thought about God's provision through nature. I reflected on how he uses the soil, rain, sun, and even wind to grow food we need to flourish. In addition to our physical needs, he nourishes our soil through the natural world. Nature encourages us to stop, reflect, meditate, and just be. A walk or run outside will calm your restless spirit and restore your faith. It will remind you of the love, care, and provision of your Heavenly Father and help you to refocus on Jesus. It's time to get outside. You know, there's just some people that can paint a word picture. And Rhonda, every story she reads, it's like, as you're reading it, you can you can I could see it, I could smell it, I could taste it. She does an excellent job at, at putting you into the story. Yeah. So uh, Rhonda, great job. Yeah, she does. Great job. She does. And I think being out in nature definitely I mean, she's dead on with this. I've sure. said it a time. Mm-hmm. I've I've written several stories that allude to this that mm-hmm. just being out in nature just makes you feel closer to God. I mean right. it's his creation, right? So it's it's pretty cool. But you know, do we ever it's interesting to focus on all five senses. I don't know if I've ever really done that. Uh, well, I was as I was reading it, and it's like yeah. it's I could I could identify with how the concrete feels and the grass and the taste of the apple, seeing the wind swirl the leaf. You know, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing was, and and being ready to get a kick out of this, I was picturing myself trying to catch that leaf because <laughs> being through the challenge of trying to catch a leaf out there, yeah. and that is way harder than you actually think it is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's good stuff. I, I love those kind of stories. Yeah, we we tend to focus on one sense in particular. That last one she talks about, that taste, right? <laughs> or no, in a run we get hung up on pain. On pain, yeah, it's true. But if that's we'll true. put our focus on other things, the pain may subside just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. How about this scripture? Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. That's Genesis one eleven, and then 29 through 30. Plant-based food. You know, it's interesting because we, we think, we look, at, we look at this idea of recycling these days, and it's like this, this new thing. Like over the past 50 years, we've discovered recycling. Right. God's the original recycler. Sure. I mean, he's the one that puts seeds and fruit so that we'll grow more. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, think of think of the think of the life cycle of livestock. I mean, you've got. I don't want to get too graphic on the, on the podcast, but I mean, you have livestock. You take the waste from the livestock. It makes fertilizer. It's used to fertilize the fields that make the grass grow that the livestock eats. Yeah, I mean that that is. Uh, what do they call it now? It's not recycling, but 
you see it with the the not the circle of life they call it something um um upcycling no uh, uh it'll hit me here in a yeah, while. Anyway, yeah there's a there's a there's a term for that where it's basically just a it's a constant circle going around and uh well and I'm, god god did that yeah yeah and i'm so glad that god put the plant-based diet right in the first chapter of genesis isn't that interesting but that you the know then, the, then Bible, along came the new covenant that's, and, and it's where god made all <laughs> foods clean <laughs> including meat dean so i saw your notes here so i was ready for uh, it. <laughs> uh, it does say green plant though so what does that say about corn and carrots i'm just wondering it's uh you know. i could probably get on board with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, I, here's an interesting thing did you know that kudzu you can eat kudzu i did not i saw your notes and Man, nobody in the southeast would ever go hungry. That is true, if, if, right? We're all worried about our food supply running out. Well, if kudzu is edible, well, then we're all we're fine. Because you can put one piece of that in the ground, and within a year's time, it's covering a hundred acres. Oh yeah, yeah. If you don't know what kudzu is, look it up. It's yeah. It's, but we uh, only have it in the east. There's no kudzu out west. There's one place out in, I think. And Kudzu's not even from America. Where, where was it? It, it was from, from Japan. Yeah. Yeah, it was brought here from Japan um, as a soil erosion because it grows so it. fast. You can't kill it. It grows about a foot a day. Yeah. It grows fast. I used to have guinea pigs, and I used to go pick kudzu leaves to feed guinea pigs. So uh, that's where I knew that they were edible because I knew the guinea yeah. pigs could eat them. So I wondered, well, what about people? Could people eat them? And sure. So enough, do people actually? I mean, is yeah. where did you see that? Is it? Yeah, people did you see do like a recipe. Or? Yeah, there's recipe. There's kudzu recipes out there. Really? So, I wonder what yeah. it tastes like. Yeah, like I greens. Don't know. What it tastes yeah, like? Yeah, it's probably. Greens, I would imagine they talked about it being similar to the one you when you cook it up. It's similar to spinach. So uh, yeah, You've that's piqued my curiosity. Yeah, I, I feel like I want to go check out some kudzu now. Just, yeah, just of course, my see. luck, I would get some poison ivy mixed in there. Got to be careful. They look very similar. They look very similar. Yeah. So, I don't know. Pretty cool. I, so, saw, a sign, I saw a sign the other day. I got to say this. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Holly and I were driving somewhere, and it was, oh, it was in Ringgold. If you're coming the back way from Ringgold home, mm-hmm. there's a sign, and it's the Boy Scouts of America. It's advertising the Boy Scouts of America, and it had – two leaves it had one big oak leaf and then it had a leaf with three leaves on it and it's one said it said toilet paper not toilet paper learn the difference and it was for the boy scouts <laughs> yeah. one was poison yeah. ivy and one was like an oak yeah. leaf or something so yeah that was a pretty funny billboard that's uh if you have uh if you have gastric issues on the run <laughs> and you're doing long runs out in the middle of nowhere sometimes uh, you better know the difference so moving on yeah. <laughs> Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, we all have uh, different food preferences. Um, you know, ours is, is quite different. Um, but the Bible gets, gets and, and I think about how we, we like some things and we don't like some things. For example, I love banana peppers. I could eat banana peppers just one after the other. I love them. I don't like bell peppers at all. Like, mm. I don't want a half a bite of a, a bell pepper at all. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That's just my preference. Um, so we got some stuff we like, some stuff we don't. But here's the thing. God is always good mm-hmm. every time and to everybody. And so uh, 
There's, there's at no, all times. At all times, yeah. This verse made me think of the word I was trying to remember because this verse makes me think of that word, sustainability. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. God, God is... God is enough. You know, Steve Canfield, during this whole life action thing that we've got going on in our church, that's one thing he talked about, I think it was on Sunday night, is, is God enough? And we were going through Philippians 4, 10 through 13, which we talk about being content. And he said that is that is the true measure of contentment, is God enough? Mm. And if you can ever get to the point where God is enough, you can truly live out. Uh, those verses in Philippians, and then you know you get to the point where I can do all things mm-hmm. through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content in all things through all things if God is enough. But if God is not enough in your life, that's where contentment flees. Yeah, and, and it, He is enough, and that's what it's talking about here in Psalms. He's enough. And if we feel like God isn't enough in our lives, the problem's not on His end. No. Yeah. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind, beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I guess if I was to think about a nature verse, a verse that made me think about nature, this is probably the one that would just pop in my head. Right. Right? Just the idea of the green pasture and the still waters. and the just It just it feels. You mentioned what with uh, Rhonda and her writing and how it kind of puts you there. Word picture. Yeah. This, the 23rd Psalm really does that. Yeah. It really makes you think. It makes it's, it has a calming effect, um, I think. And that's what it was meant for because right. that's what David was doing at this time was he was trying to write something that was calming for him. That's what the 23rd Psalm was all about. Um, and it's all about nature and how nature refreshes our soul. Mm-hmm. And I think any of us that have gone out and run or walked out in nature, we we've, we have felt that mm-hmm. at some point. Where I remember when I was in um, when I was working in a manufacturing facility, spent a lot of time in an office, of mm-hmm. course, and I can remember days where you know it's just it's one problem after another, walking in the door, and it's just you know it's just and it gets you get so tense about all of that stuff. And I can remember days of just walking outside and just taking in a deep breath, and it just felt so Immediately. good, just like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it leads right into the, the first question that Rhonda asked here, what do you love most about running? It's funny you said what you just said, because just yesterday I had I got in front of my computer at, I don't know, it was a little bit after 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was meeting my buddy Keith to run about 3.45, and – I stared at my computer basically the whole day. I had a lot of things I had to get done. It's it's like it's like a ball and chain my computer sometimes because there's mm-hmm. things we have to do on these things. Mm-hmm. But I so hate it sometimes. But you're right. I mean, I got up and I went to run with Keith and it was like, gosh, this just feels so good. And we were talking about it. I said, I don't see how people sit in front of a computer all day and then they go home and get in front of the TV and sit there that's enough to drive anybody crazy and that to Rhonda's point this i mean that is the one of the great gifts of running is mm-hmm. it does it allows you to get away from that and yeah. in a society that's so fast paced and screen driven um we got to get away from the screen sometimes cuz that's 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 where you find your sanity a lot yeah. of times in a day that's just insane 
Yeah, you're right. And the cool thing about running is running is so natural. Mm-hmm. You know, like other sports, there's there's in the introduction for cycling. You have a you have a bicycle. You have equipment. You have stuff you have to worry about. With running, it's really really simple. I mean, mm-hmm. running is so. I mean, we look back in history and we used to hunt our food. I mean, it was something we did to hunt our food. And Christopher McDougal, McDougal talks about this in the book Born to Run, and does a really good job of laying out how our bodies are meant. To run, they're naturally formed that way. God made our bodies. the The idea of our the anatomy and the way we're built, the ability of uh, that we have to sweat, um, all of the systems that we have are built for long distance running. And um, so, I think that's why running feels so good, and why nature and running go to go together so well. Yeah. It's because they're both very, very natural things. Um, yeah, and I think this psalm tells us that if we if we rely on the natural order of things, that includes God, mm-hmm. and that He's going to make things better. First question, just like you said, what do you love the most about running? I, th- I think it's 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 exactly what Rhonda said. What we've been talking about is getting yeah. outside and um, just the. I mean, whether we know it or not, we all need that the dopamine i mean we all need we all need those things released in our bodies and this is i can't think of any other healthier way to do it yeah um it's it's you know sometimes it's it's a bad run and you're just oh it's horrible and and, but there's things to learn there yeah but then on those good runs there's nothing there's nothing like it I, i went out and ran on um saturday i was doing a longer run and i i and maybe this is one of those prayers, you know, I'm conflicted on whether you pray this or not, but I, God wants all things brought to him. And I, I prayed before the run. I said, God, just give me a good run. Just make it smooth. Let me focus on you. And guess what happened? Uh-huh. Smooth, felt great. It wasn't crazy fast, but we need those kind of runs sometimes yeah. where you just back it down and put your focus where our focus needs to be. And, on, and that's on God. And I, I, I was thinking back. I don't know when I when I've went into a run, really with that mindset. Yeah. I don't know how many of those runs have ever turned out bad. Yeah. Now they may not be fast, but mm-hmm. in those in those times, that's not what we need. We need we need to have those times where we're just focused on God, and that can be through nature, like Rhonda said, or it can be meditating on something you learned the day before at church, or. Um, I don't know. There's just, there's some, when you have those good runs, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. And there's something to be said for obviously that the relaxation of the run, because I think what you run better when you're relaxed, you get, yeah, you give that to God and it's like, I'm just, I'm open to whatever God's got. And it really relaxes you this past weekend. I had run a long run two weekends ago and I ran it a little too fast. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, faster than I really wanted to run it and um, I got through with it and I thought ah, I shouldn't have run that fast and I really I was kind of pushing to maintain that pace toward the end of it and I thought ah, I probably shouldn't have done that well this past weekend I went out same distance run and I was determined I'm like I'm not running that fast again I'm going to be smarter than that so I went out there and I purposefully just felt like all I'm going to do is just I'm just going to really relax and just enjoy this run 
Well, I wound up running only seven seconds a mile slower mm-hmm. than I ran, but I finished it feeling like, man, I could have run so much faster. Because you were relaxed. Because I, I was relaxed. Yeah. And I think with God on our mind, a lot of times, we're just more relaxed. Sure. And, it, and I think it helps our runs for sure. Of course, I like the solitude of running. That's one of the other things I love about running. You know, I'm, I'm an introvert, mm-hmm. and so I, I love people, and I love seeing people. I love that phone call I got from Bella this past week. I love all that. But I really like to be alone as well. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the best things that I like about running. Um, because I feel like when I'm alone, that's the easiest way to get closer to God, mm-hmm. I think. Sure, we can get in a church service and we can listen to worship music and, and all that. And we can feel really close to God. But I don't know that we ever feel closer to God than when it's just you and God. Mm-hmm. And, and he really digs in on you. So question two, do you take time to enjoy your natural surroundings or are you just passing through on your way indoors? (laughs) I think this is where I'm glad a couple years ago that I decided to walk, you know, past two years, really, I just walked and, uh, and I still walk some now in between runs, I'll go out and just walk and this is one of the great things about walking you know with running usually you got times on your mind or you're hurting or you're trying to improve but walking it gives you that opportunity just to slow down and take it all in because i when i started walking i was walking a lot of the same roads that i've always run but you see things completely different when you slow down and i saw things that i never saw before you know we always say you see so much more when you run than when you're driving in a car when you walk you see way more things than if you're running you just you're able to pay attention more and you're not worried about tripping over that thing on the road by looking off the side of the road you're Mm -hmm. you're able to slow down so yeah i i do and i like to do it through walking yeah that makes sense that makes sense and i debbie will tell you that i am really bad about not looking around and just being focused on whatever i'm doing and um it's I have to be purposeful about it mm-hmm. to pay attention to what's going on around me a lot of times because um, a lot of times I am just going one thing to the next and uh, sometimes that's inside an in, in, inside thing I think about uh, Flojo our dog mm-hmm. you know she loves to hang out with Debbie and I more than anything else right that's that's her thing is wherever we are that's where she wants to be there's but, a sermon right there yeah yeah <laughs> there yeah is. there is <laughs> But, like, if I'm going to go outside, and let's say I'm going to go outside and cut the grass, Flo, Flo prefers Debbie over me. Yeah. It, like, during the day, we're both working in the house. Flo's right next to Debbie. She prefers Debbie over me. Um, but if I'm going outside, Flo wants to go. Yeah. Right? That's the same thing with Louie. Because she, she loves the outdoors. Yeah. And she loves nature. And... I think we're this. I think we're just like the dogs. And does flow? Because I get tickled. Because Louie does this. I can get up, and if I'm anywhere near the door, he's like doing circles. I mean, like tail wagging. He's just yeah. And dogs just want to go outside. Does Flo do that? I mean, if like, yeah. if you get up and you're anywhere near the door, it's like Flo's giving you the cue. Like let's let's go get outside. Open yeah. the door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? It is funny. And I tell you, here's what happens in our house: is if if I go outside and don't take her with me, 
then she goes to Debbie and starts whining, yeah. wanting to go outside. Yeah. Cause daddy's outside. Yeah. I got to go outside. Yeah. And so, yeah, That's but that, that yearning to be outside, we should all be that way. I think. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons to be that way too. And the problem is, is we've got all these distractions indoors now, mm-hmm. you know, the TV, the watching YouTube, the video games for a lot of people. And there's so much that keeps us indoors. But, um, as, as you mentioned, getting, getting back to nature. Well, it's funny. Is, and, and I don't know this. We may need to ask Samuel, but, um, the, the young man that I was just talking about that was here, he, that that's here and, and has the regular phone. He's, I don't know the exact story, but he he was outside when this happened. But he was outside when he threw his phone in the lake, and I huh. and I'm only I can only imagine because I I've been there before. I've never thrown my phone in the lake, but I've been sitting by a campfire before, you know, with friends, and I'm sitting there scrolling on my phone. Yeah, and I just wonder if that's what was going on, and he finally realized he 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 caught himself like, what are you doing? Well, yeah. even outside, to your point, even outside, we're so distracted sometimes by our phones. Yeah, you know, we're out, we're outside in nature. We can have friends sitting around a campfire, and what are we doing? Scrolling on our phone. It's true. So yeah, even outside, it can be a challenge it in today's be. times. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Last question: Do you have a favorite place to reflect and connect with God outside? Do you have a place? Mine is the big tree at the church property. Yeah. If you've ever run the Run for God 5K, you know the tree I'm talking about, the big tree mm-hmm. at the start line. Um, I'll pull my truck down there. I hadn't done it in a little while, but I, I'll pull my truck down there and open the Bible and, and just start reading, especially when it's nice outside. I'll just roll the windows down in my truck and kind of lean the seat back with the Bible and just yeah. sit there and read. And, yeah, it's, it's quiet. There's always a breeze right there. And I don't know. It's just it's kind of one of my – places i like i like anywhere outdoors i'm i'm kind of like that but there, there's one place hague mill lake mm, there's yeah. a parking lot that's up it's up the high part of the parking lot yeah. where you can park over and you lake. can look out over the lake and that's uh that's yeah. a place where i'm kind of kind of feel that same way sometimes i'll go up there and work from there because i i just i love that yeah um but i think with god <laughs> think about our gps watch so you know the gps watch i can turn sometimes i'll turn my watch on before i go outside to run and sometimes it'll get a signal but a lot of times it won't get the signal until i go outside right (laughs) and god's a lot like that i think i think it's way easier to connect to god when we're outside than it is when we're inside Mm -hmm. and and I think sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we go outside and our GPS works like that. Like sometimes I walk out the door and I, I'm not even to the end of my driveway. And my got deep, a signal. I've got a signal. And then sometimes I've got to stand at the end of my driveway to get a signal if I want to start with the signal. And I think that's the way it is with God too. We go out, sometimes Sometimes we, we're in nature and it's just an overwhelming sense of God right away. And then sometimes... We got to start paying attention to what's around us and appreciating it, and then God. Comes you got to get past the distractions of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you ever see those people with their GPS watches that hold them way up high, like like that? I'm gonna, the guy that if it's ready or not, I hit start. Yeah, because it does. They nowadays they do a pretty good job. They they know where you were when you started. I don't know how, but 
they do a pretty good job of being pretty accurate. Yeah, I just hit yeah. start and go and yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a lot less um, anal, I guess is the right word about my. You know, Lane's one of those that he's, yeah, you he's won't not, run without your watch though. Well, but like, it don't got to be exact for me anymore. Yeah, Lane and Landon's. Lane, I, I I'm kind of becoming more like Landon, where he don't care if he's got a watch or not. But Lane's the kind if if he finishes a run and it's eight point seven two. It's he's going to nine. It's it's got to be an even number, and um, that's the triathlete in him, I think. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. So we're back, and we've been talking for about an hour, and you haven't asked me a single single question about the Styrofoam cup. You have a Styrofoam cup sitting there. here. Yeah. And it says, it's got my name at the top, and it says, all I deserve. So I want to tell this story. It's, okay. It'll take me just a minute. But last night, Steve Canfield, the the guy that's speaking at our church, he uh, he was talking about our expectations as believers. And so many times we we – we we put ourselves above others we 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 are entitled we hear the we hear the word entitled a lot mm-hmm. nowadays and and he was talking about as believers we get that way we all get that way and he told this story about there was a uh it was the deputy um secretary of defense and the this guy told this story uh, he was speaking at a church. It was a former deputy of S- deputy secretary of defense. I think it's the right wording. Anyway, he went to speak at uh, this conference, and um, when he was the deputy of the secretary of defense, when he he went, there was a there was a private jet waiting to take him, and then when he landed, there was a, a limousine that picked him up, and it took him to this hotel and we got to the hotel there was a entourage of people to to get his bags and to take him right past the sign-in desk up to his room and and when he got to his room it was you know on the top floor overlooking whatever city it was and um you know everything was just done for him and then the next morning he come down and they had breakfast waiting for him and then they put him in the limousine and, and took him to this event center where this conference was and then when he got to the event center he went into the green room and with the green room they had all these different kind of coffees and they had these nice ceramic mugs and they handed him this coffee and then he went out on stage and gave his presentation well because he was a as, um, he was a professional in the field of whatever he was talking about the next year he was asked to come back and but the next year the administration had changed and he was no longer the deputy secretary of defense he was a citizen 
And he said the next year he flew coach to whatever this city was. And when he got there, there was nobody waiting in the airport. And he got a taxi and he went to his hotel. He stood in line to check in. He manhandled all of his bags up to the middle part of the skyscraper with a regular room. And the next morning he got down and had the continental breakfast, got, got a tail to taxi, got a taxi, went over, fought the crowd to get in, even though he was one of the presenters and, uh, there was no green room and he went up and he asked somebody, Hey, do y'all have any coffee? And they said, yeah, there's a coffee maker right over there. There's some styrofoam cups right next to it. And he was on the stage holding a styrofoam cup. And he said, you know, what I've come to realize is that all that special treatment was reserved for the office. Mm. It wasn't for the person. And he said, as believers, we become entitled. Mm. You know, we, we start to get a taste of what God can do for us. And we come to expect the ceramic mug. And he said, all we deserve is a styrofoam cup. Mm. Yeah. And man, it just rocked my world because I do that. Sure. You know, we've been in this ministry for 13 years. It, sh- it should be easier than it is many times. Yeah. Nope, it shouldn't. Wow. He gave another analogy, and I've got it sitting out in my truck that kind of goes along with this. But if you got my truck right now, there's a, a crocodile up on the dash. And he said that there's a Angel Falls. Where is Angel Falls? In it's, Oregon, isn't it? No, this is, is somewhere this overseas. Okay, it's it's the largest waterfall in the world, width wise. It's like a uh, mile from okay. one side to the other. Okay, that, yeah. Anyway, it goes down, and then it creates this class four rapids. I think it's it's, yeah. it's some of the best rapids in the world. Anyway, when you're when you're on when when you're doing the rapids down through there, you can take rafting trips and all that. And but the guides say. Um, if you fall out, stay in the rapids because what we, our tendency as humans is to find the easiest place, the calm water. Mm-hmm. But they said, do not go to the calm water because mm. we're always looking for the easy, safe place. But when you get to the calm water, that's where the crocodiles are. Oh, and it's talking about, and what he was saying was kind of back to this point is so many times as believers, we want it easy. Yeah. We're entitled. We've been doing this a long time. Paul never asked for it to be easy. No. He stayed in the he stayed in the rapids. Mm-hmm. And when we get into the calm waters, I mean, it's so talk about a word picture. He he made it sound so when we start to get when we try to find the easy places in life, what tends to creep in? Trouble. Trouble. Danger. Crocodiles. The crocodiles. That's where we need to stay in the turbulent waters. We need to, we need to keep the pressure on ourselves because that's when we work for God. And I don't know. It was just kudos to, to Steve. I mean, it's several great sermons sermons that he's given so far. But the crocodile and the and all I deserve. I just I just love those points because you know it's just like running. I mean, we don't we don't expect running to get easier. In fact, the better we get at it, the more we challenge ourselves. Yeah. It's we true. need to look at our walk across the same way. We don't need to get into the calm waters. We need to stay in the rapids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that from a running standpoint. We're not entitled to a good run. No. It's great when we have them. 
Not entitled. But to the bad that. runs make us better. They do. And I mean, how many times yeah. have we talked about this? Yeah. And it's like it's everywhere we go, the the analogies are there. But sometimes we just don't get it. Yeah. Why don't yeah. we just get it? Yeah. But a lot of times we're more satisfied too at the end of that absolutely. difficult run, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Did you ever get into mischief when you were young? Me? Oh, that's right. You were <laughs> you were the evil Knievel guy. That's uh, right, these right guys staying here asked me my testimony the other night, and I, I said, "Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I wasn't I wasn't always the run for God guy. Not that the run for God guy means anything, but I said I was I was not always that guy. I was." Yeah. I was, I was always into mischief. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wrote this. It's called containing our excitement. I remember a place called Terra Beach. It was a man-made swimming hole about two hundred to three hundred meters in diameter, with a diving board and platform in the middle. Of course, once a young swimmer went out more than thirty meters out, the water was above our heads, with hundreds of people surrounding the sandy beach on a hot summer day our parents were worried about our safety if we tried to swim out too far in the crowd the parents would forbid us to go out to where we could no longer touch the bottom but we were adventurous boys so what do you think would happen of course we would find our way out to the platform every time we couldn't help it Pulling ourselves up onto that platform and standing there triumphantly looking out over the hundreds of people who weren't as cool as we were was the bomb. The draw of the platform experience was so exciting to us that we were positively giddy about it. And as much as we wanted to obey our parents, we just couldn't help ourselves. I felt the same way a few years ago when I decided to run the number of miles equal to my age on my 53rd birthday. The longest I'd ever run was 30 miles, and I was really excited about the prospect of running 75% more than I had ever run before. Was it a good idea? Well, I don't know. I just wanted to do it. Once the idea entered my head, I couldn't help it. It was Terra Beach all over again. I've had similar running experiences as I towed the line at the Boston Marathon, or when I attempted to break five minutes for the mile 40 years after the first time, or when I ran beside Jimmy Carter on a running trail near Emory University many years ago. I could go on and on, but you get the point. There are so many more things I'd love to accomplish. For example, I want to run a 100-mile race one day. Now, my goals may not be your goals, but there are things you can get pretty excited about. I've seen many people get pretty jacked up about running a marathon, for example. I remember getting a phone call several years ago from a friend of mine. He had called me about three years earlier when he was a beginning runner to get some advice. The follow-up phone call was to thank me for challenging him to run a 5K at under 8-minute pace. The excitement of that goal had driven him for three years. What do you need to get excited about? What running goal for you is the equivalent to the platform at Terra Beach? You know you have one. We all have those crazy thoughts of doing something outside our comfort zone, but sometimes we're scared to try it. The first time we swam out to the platform at Terra Beach, we were scared. But reaching that platform made it worthwhile. You know something else we should be excited about? Jesus Christ. There's a reason why it's known as the greatest story ever told. Because it is. Why don't we look at it for the exciting news it is? Think about it. 
we should be so excited to share Christ that we can't hold it in. The Christmas story makes the platform at Terra Beach look like going to the dentist. (laughs) Enthusiasm is a powerful word. There is nothing more exciting than being so enthusiastic that we can't contain it. What if we were super excited about our running or walking goals? Would it change the way we pursued, pursued them? It may or may not be a stretch for you to be that excited about running or walking, but the story of Jesus and the need to share it with everyone we meet should be easy. When you think about it, as excited as we were about getting to the platform at Terra Beach, we were just kids. It was easy to get excited about things when we were kids, but why shouldn't we get just excited as excited as adults, especially when it comes to sharing the greatest story ever told? <laughs> That's a great story, Dean. <laughs> that was a fun place to go. It sounds Terra like Beach. it. It sounds like I would have been right there beside you. Yeah, I'm sure. Parents yelling and screaming. You're like, I don't hear them. Why? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or underwater. Yeah, yeah. stick your head down in the water so you yeah. can't hear them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was that kid. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot like Red Clay Resort. That's the picture I had in my head when yeah. you said. Of course, it's not two hundred meters wide, but yeah, it's Red, a big. It's a big area. Yes, Red Clay Resort is a mini one of these. Yeah, and uh, right now Red Clay Resort, it is a spring. That's a spring that they have a concrete bottom and turned it into a big lake. Yes. Yeah. Now Terra Beach, I don't think was spring fed. I don't know honestly. I didn't, was a kid at the time so i don't know but um but it was it was a cool thing and it was quite a swim to get out there hmm. a swim for a kid yeah you know i'm sure if i looked at it today i go oh it's smaller than i thought it was <laughs> yeah ain't that funny how that works yeah yeah but it's so true right we get so excited about things we have on our schedules or the places we're going I remember when Debbie and I went to Hawaii for the first time, how mm. exciting that was. Mm. We get so many things that we can get really, really excited about. Um, and I mentioned some running events. Um, I remember the excitement of our college girls when we flew out to Washington a few years ago. And so a couple of them had never flown before. Mm. And watching that excitement was really cool. Um, I mean, it, it, Boston, the Boston Marathon is so exciting. It is so exciting. Um, it's probably why so many people go out too fast at Boston because it's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at that, in fact, that it's down, downhill. But the story of Jesus is so much more amazing than any of that stuff. You know, I, you know how I am. I mean, Christmas is. Yeah. I genuinely am unlike. I'm like a little kid when it comes to Christmas, and the majority of it is because it's the birth of Christ. I mean, I. There's so many things around that, but a lot of it is simply I love, I love the holiday. I love what it stands for. I love the traditions, the pageantry, everything about it. But you and I were just talking this morning, and and this is, I, it's something I can't really explain and put my finger on. All we know is that it happens every year. You know, we've in the past eight days we've had three salvations through the Run for God mm-hmm. system. Um, classes are down this time of year mm-hmm. um at, at, as of today we're not doing a a lot more um promotion of our gospel campaigns that'll start in december we really put a push through it but something about this time of year and i'd always heard the statistic that more people come to know christ during the christmas season than any other time but why is that? I, I, 
because for us, we haven't done anything different as of today. Like I said, in December, we start, we'll do start doing the promotions of the gospel campaigns. But as of today, we're just coming into the Christmas season and we've already seen an uptick in traffic on our Peace with God page. Yeah. And that's so interesting to me. I mean, I know the reason it's God drawing people to himself through the birth of his son. But it's so interesting. It's just fascinating that every year that happens, every year since we've been doing the gospel campaigns and the Peace with God page, we've seen an uptick. And I have no doubt, come December, we'll have a dramatic uptick in in decisions in the Run for God system. And I, th- I think whether people know it or not, even they're getting excited. They they understand that there's something to be excited about this time yeah. of year. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. That is interesting. I think it's just the proximity of knowing that story. And I guess you hear the story maybe more often this time of year because people start to talk about Christmas and why Christmas is important. And all. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, there's a it's exciting. A few things that happen more around yeah. that holiday than any other time during the year. Um, and that's the most positive one of all of them. But why do you think it is that we don't get so – because it is such a great story. Why don't we get excited enough about it to I – mean, we shouldn't want to – we should just be beating doors down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that exciting, and yet we're not. And I mean, I'm guilty. I'm talking sure. to myself. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers at all. And I don't know if it's the fear of rejection, um, the the – I think it always comes back to fear. Do you think fear of something? Fear of something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rejection, it not going right, saying something wrong, not, not being wrong. able to answer a question. Yeah. I mean, all those things are just lies of the devil put in our head. Yeah. Um, I mean, could could you get rejected? Sure, but that's not on you. Yeah. It's it's not. You're, we are called to present the gospel, not to save people. Um, and logically, we they're know they're not that. rejecting us. Yeah, logically we know that, right? But fear makes it still us hurts illogical. Sure, right? Yeah, and I think that fear's a liar. Yeah, and uh, we're not a lot different than the Israelites Mm-mm. who had True. seen and experienced all these things and yet pulled back right. from, from the great things. So, yeah, maybe we can uh, maybe we can get that excitement level up this year. Well, I sure do it with my decorations yes, around here do. because I love the cheesy Christmas decorations. So, um, and they they part. have been up since I tried to get them up October thirty first. My wife, what? No, they were up October. Th- my my Christmas decorations were up for Halloween. I think that's right. <laughs> anyway, it's the earliest I've I've been able to pull my wife across the line, and it only happened because she made the mistake of going to the grocery store. She said, I'm going to go to the grocery store tomorrow. And me and the boys looked at each other like, yes, she's going to be gone for like an hour and a half. She comes back. Guess what's done? Decorations are up. So that's all. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. At Run for God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God. And we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run for God station at J Radio. All right, everybody.
every week we share a reason why running is so awesome and uh this kind of goes along with some of the things we've talked about today um it's a pretty good social thing right running is a good social activity it's Mm -hmm. a good way to get together um it's what's cool about running that that is different than maybe some other activities that you could participate in is, is you can hold a conversation while you're running and so it makes catching up with somebody you know you, you mentioned your running partner keith mm-hmm. he's you know you guys get a chance to talk about a lot of stuff mm-hmm. because you're just it's a it's a social thing so i gotta i gotta give props to keith on something yeah so friday we were going to be running on friday we we're going to do a longer run on friday friday morning i sent him a text i say what time we meeting or whatever whatever the text said and he sends me a text he said i'm gonna have to pass today and it's a picture of him in a hospital bed what (laughs) so i put my phone down and i got in the truck and i went to the hospital and i walk in and he wasn't in there at the time his wife was in his room she just laughed when i walked in and uh i was like what what's going on well keith i think i'd mentioned on here and he wouldn't mind me mentioning this but he had a stroke a a minor stroke uh, a few months ago and um so i've been running with him and uh he's he started having some numbness and things and he just went Mm -hmm. in to get some some tests but hats off to keith because yesterday monday he was back out running again so he he got he got the okay from his doctor but kudos to him i mean a lot of us would have just i probably need to take a week or two or three off and but no not keith he was he was right back out there kicking my teeth in on the on the cross country show yesterday so <laughs> he's a good positive guy isn't he, he is he sure is for sure well i i saw where there were 20 there have been 22 kenyans who have tested positive for performance enhancing drugs recently uh, what i one of the things i think is interesting about that is that no ethiopians have tested positive hmm. which is interesting because they're both very running centric countries um, of course some people say that it's it's not really cultural, but it's um, that the the Kenyan system for catching people is much more robust, robust and better, and that's probably why. But um, it's sad. It, it's sad to see, but it makes me ask some questions. And of course, the question is, why cheat? I mean, there's some obvious reasons. You know, the financial incentives for people who live in Kenya um, to to become something that um, there's a financial incentive, mm-hmm. right? Um, but so many people are caught and I, I, I thought about it from, uh, you know, the, um, the cycling world when mm-hmm. Armstrong, you know, when he admitted he was caught and, and all of that went down, um, we realized at that point in time that doping in cycling was way more widespread than we had thought it was at the time. Um, same thing happened in baseball. You know, there was a lot of denial, the denialism. And then, you know, we look back now and we go, yeah, that little bubble of time where all those home runs were hit, obviously mm-hmm. it was performance enhancing drugs. Um, you can't help but wonder with running mm-hmm. how much of that is going on. And you can't help but wonder how much of the lack of Christ in our world helps lead us to that, you know? Um, because if I'll put it this way, if if everybody who was doing it were getting caught, then people wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. right? If you knew you were, if you knew you, I, I heard somebody, and this is this is a, maybe a horrible example, but I was listening to a guy on a podcast. He said, "Now, if 
if I knew I could get away with it, I'd kill that guy. <laughs> you know, so some guy that, you know, had done some, and he had done a horrific thing, but he mm-hmm. was like, I, I, if I could get away with it, I would do it. And I think there's a lot of things like that. If we could get away with things, but if we thought we couldn't get away with it, we wouldn't do it. But so many people think they can. And so that makes you think that it's pretty widespread. Um, so I think we've got to focus on getting back to focusing people back toward Christ. And I think some of this doesn't make it go away. Kenya is the most Christian nation on earth. So it doesn't make it go away. Um, but uh, I think that truth and honesty is really important these mm-hmm. days. And sometimes we're, we're, we kid ourselves and that's what they're doing. Right? Sure. Well, how about, how about this topic? Much, much lighter topic and much more um, interesting. Maybe um, how do you know you're running an easy pace? I think for for me, the easiest way to know is talking. Yeah, if you can talk. Carry on a conversation. Use, use the talking thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, some people use heart rate to determine easy mm-hmm. pace. Some people, of course, run by feel. Some people um, have a, a pace chart that they go by, and they run at that that pace range no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm that. I'm like I just I just run how I feel. Sure, I'm kind of a, a, a feel guy. But I saw a pretty in depth discussion about heart rate, and you know how I feel about heart rate. I think heart rate's good after the fact. Mm-hmm. I don't like using it during the fact. But um, there's a lot of people who feel like if you stay in the right heart rate zone, that you're there's a big benefit to doing that. Um, you think you think that you think heart rate is a good way to run? I I, th- I th- you, you know me. Uh, I do, and and it's not for necessarily the reasons you might think. I think a lot of things that we do electronic-wise, you know, there's Jack Daniels, there's, uh, what's the other, McMillan, there's there's heart rate, there's power. There's even power now. Lane has a power meter in his shoe. There's all these things, and I think they're all good, not for the reasons you might think. I think they're all good because you're being intentional. Yeah. And, and you're you're focusing on trying to become better and the the sheer the sheer act of just focusing on something and trying to get better is going to make you better and we can get into the nuances of is power better than heart rate or is feel better than power or you know all those things and, and there's going to be some truths in all those but all of them are great because it's they're great tools because it allows us to focus on our craft in a way that we enjoy focusing on it. Some yeah. people love the technology side. Some people love the feel side. Some people, But whatever it is, it's going to make you better if you believe it's going to make you better. It's kind of the old thing we used to talk about laying in wheels on his bike when he was nine years old. The wheels didn't make him faster, but Lane thought the wheels made him faster. Therefore, the wheels made him faster. Yeah. And so I think, for me, that's where a lot of it comes from. Yeah. Um, the things that make you better. I just know the if you if I go back and I look at the runs that I've had over the past several weeks, mm-hmm. um, you'll find easy runs in there from six forty five pace to eight thirty pace, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty huge range, mm-hmm. right? And but I bet if I looked at my heart rate on all of them, I bet my heart rate is fairly similar on mm-hmm. all of them. And that seems crazy to yeah. think that that's the case. So it makes me think that that pace charts maybe are maybe not great. 
But I think I think pace charts, the right way to use a pace chart is most of my runs, my, my, I think my pace for me, my pace says I should run between like 710 and 750 or something like that, somewhere in that like right. that kind of a range. And if you'll look, most of my runs are in that range, just naturally, right. just not thinking about it and just going out and running. But there's occasionally I'll be faster than that and occasionally I'll be slower than that. And uh, I think you're right. I, I think, think all of them you can find flaws with. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we should do none of them. You know, right. just like for the, you know, getting into the 10K and beyond, we, we have people do the time miles and we set zones based on those time miles. And are those hard and fast and exact science? No. But it's better than having nothing. Mm-hmm. It, it creates a framework by which you can work inside that is going to make you better. Yeah. Could could we educate everybody on, you know, the nuances of heart rate training and power training and, and get some better results? Maybe, but maybe not. It's yeah. it's the it's the fact it's going through the exercise of doing things intentional. We talk about it. It's the consistency. That's it's the consistency of a training plan. We've always said there's a hundred ways to get fast, yep. but you got to pick one and go with it and be intentional yep. about it. And you're going to get fast as a result yep. of that. Yep. Faster. That's a good way to put it. And I like the idea of the, if you can talk when you run, it's a good yeah. pace. Yeah. yeah. All right. How about a trivia question for this next week? The trivia question is this, what day of the year is the most active for runners? You think you could guess that? I, you, I would think. Um, I don't know. Now I don't yeah. know. If it, wait, wait, the, your one first, jumps out at me, but you, I thought you, no, you, probably not. Yeah, your first. That's was my my first thought is okay. I know the answer to that one, and then you're like, oh, uh, another day or two that yeah. that might be pretty pretty big too. So, uh, if you know the answer to that question, you can send it to Dean at runforgod.com and if you're the first person to answer that correctly, then and this one is definitely I know the answer to this one and I. <laughs> You're not so, going to get this one wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get this one wrong. Of course, this one is kind of hokey because how do we know how many people are actually out right, running yeah. on a particular day? So, uh, but there is I one. Get, I bet you Garmin can tell you. Well, the the let me. I'll just say this: the answer to this question was found through Strava. It's okay, basically yeah. it's basically because nowadays, every, yeah, the majority of people use it. So yeah. they can pick up the trends. Yeah. According sure. to Strava, this day is the most active. So hmm. check it out. Send the answer to Dean at runforgod.com. Be the first one and receive a uh, discount code for uh, some merchandise through the Run For God store. Good stuff. It's like cash. Okay. Our motivational thought of the week for this week is this. At first, they will ask you why you're doing it. Later, they'll ask you how you did it. Hmm. We see this in Run for God classes all the yeah, time, don't all we? All the time, yeah. I, I love that quote, and there was no attribution, so apparently nobody really knows who said this first. But it's it's a good one. A lot of times, people are asking the question to people who are in Run for God class, "Why in the world are you out there doing that?" And then when they do it, they're like, "Wow, How'd you how do that? did you do that?" Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yep. Just always remember that when you're doing this stuff, you are an inspiration to somebody. Somebody's paying attention and you're an inspiration to somebody. And that's a pretty cool thing. Sure. Yep. Another good episode, Dean. Another good one. That's uh, uh, 140 episodes down. Wow. That's uh, incredible. We appreciate all of you. Share the podcast with others, um, particularly those. Hey, if if there's somebody out there that 
doesn't have a, a, a relationship with Christ, we would love to for them to hear some of the things that are said here, and hopefully God can use that. We just, uh, again, we love you and appreciate every one of you. Now, until next week, may God bless every step of every room. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.